Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, we'll take a look at what the Raiders' offense will look like under head coach Josh McDaniels. Plus, you'll hear my conversation with Zachariah Branch, the nephew of the late great Cliff Branch. And then we'll keep the Cliff Branch theme rolling as you'll hear my conversation from 2016 with Cliff Branch well before he was a Hall of Famer. But we'll talk about the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about the Raiders' move to Las Vegas and a whole lot more. Plus, your calls and texts. lot to get to on today's show, all on this Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Let's get it. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms, as many of you do. Definitely appreciate that. And uh, as you heard in the opener there, got a lot to get to in a short amount of time. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, off top, I want to talk about Josh McDaniels' offense that we all expect him to be running with the silver and black and with Derek Carr behind the center, uh, how that will be impacted and how it should look. So to help us break this down, I actually talked to Ted Nguyen on my radio show, Unnecessary Roughness, on Radio Nation Radio 920 on Wednesday. He put out a piece with Sean Reed on The Athletic called How the Raiders' Offense Could Look with Josh McDaniels in charge. And a lot of people keep referencing Bill Musgrave and what he was able to do under Jack Del Rio with the Raiders and said, that's what it's going to look like, Hugh. That's exactly what it's going to look like. Now, I understand that there's going to be similarities there because they both learn from the same tree. They're both branches off the same tree. I get that. But... Every coach is a little bit different. Every coach adds their own little twist, their own personality to it. So just because, you know, you think it's going to look like what Bill Musgrave ran doesn't necessarily mean it is. So that was one of my first questions I asked Ted about is what stands out to him about this McDaniels offense? And if he feels like it's what we already saw with Musgrave's offense. Yeah, I mean, first, um, I don't think that Musgrave's and McDaniels offense look alike because the origins are the Ed Hart Perkins system but that doesn't mean that the offense is similar. That's just like a way that they organize certain concepts and they name certain concepts. But, you know, it doesn't mean that those two systems are going to be alike. Um, so I think with the Josh McDaniel system and the, the Patriot system, um, they have some core concepts that you'll see them run over the years, but it's adapted to the different personnel they have. Um, you know, obviously the, the offense looks, it could look very different from year to year. We've seen it evolve throughout the years based on, um, what kind of players they have. So I, I think that's the exciting part about Josh McDaniels is just his ability to adapt his offense to benefit the strengths of the, the players on his team. So that's just Ted's initial thoughts on the Josh McDaniels offense and uh, how he kind of expects it to be executed with the silver and black. So my next question to him was about Derek Carr. He's behind center. Last season, he had Mac Jones, who was a rookie. Derek Carr is an eight-year-plus veteran. So how much could that benefit the Raiders by having that longtime veteran as the quarterback in Derek Carr? Yeah, I think um, McDaniels, what he did with Mac Jones last year might be one of his most impressive uh, coaching jobs in his career because he was able to take a rookie and, and still get that offense to a, a top 10 offense in efficiency. Um, so, and we've seen this multiple times in his career where he's adjusted to different quarterbacks when he didn't have Tom Brady, when Tom Brady was injured, uh, he was able to adapt. But uh, two areas where I think uh, Josh McDaniels could really help out the, the Raiders is in the red zone. The Patriots are, you know, always 
up there or either in the top 10 or around the top 10 in red zone efficiency. And that's where the Raiders really struggled in the John Gruden era. And I think, you know, part of that is they have a very strong offensive line. They can run the ball well, and the Raiders will need to um, make some improvements in that area. But um, there's also some really clever play designs and, and tricky things they do um, in the red zone that helps them out, too. So, um, you know, I, I think that's one area that he'll really put an emphasis on and really help improve. And another area is a screen game. The Raiders have been really bad at throwing screens, and they rarely do it. Uh, Derek Carr was, I believe, 26th or, or somewhere around that range. Only 5% of his passing yards came from screens, whereas Mac Jones was uh, near the top 10 when he, he had 10% of his, um, his his percentage of his passing yards come from screens. So, um, you know, I think obviously screens aren't a huge part of an offense, mm-hmm. but it does give you an opportunity for easy, easy yards and helps slow down a pass rush. And um, I think he's one of the best screen designers in the, in the league. So those are two areas where I can see him making an instant impact. I like the instant impact, talking about the red zone and talking about the screen game. But, of course, the offensive line has got to be much improved or none of that's going to be able to work. But uh, I do like what I'm hearing from 10 to win, talking about Josh McDaniels' offense and how he's expecting it to be executed. So uh, who's going to benefit the most from Josh McDaniels' system, especially as far as the wide receivers go, the weapons go? Yeah, so as a part of uh, what McDaniels does, is he, he teaches concepts and combinations. And instead of just having a, a, a set playbook full of plays with uh, these routes built in. They'll teach concepts to receivers so that way they can mix and match and they can kind of adapt the playbook when, when necessary. Um, but and uh, there's a ton of route conversions, a ton of option routes. You hear that all the time when you talk about the New England offense, but when you actually take a look at what they do, it's pretty uh, – they ask a lot of their wide receivers, uh, especially the slot guys and tight ends. Uh, which is why I think when you look at the New England Patriots throughout the years, when they find a good tight end and a good slot receiver, they stick around for a long time because, you know, once you learn that offense and they trust that you can run these routes, then they were going to want to keep you around. So I think Darren Waller, um, he has some experience running choice routes with Gruden. Uh, obviously, Hunter Renfro has, but it's going to go up a, a, a whole new level. Mm. Um, so Renfro is a guy that needs extension soon, too. And, you know, you got to imagine that. Uh, McDaniels would love having a guy like him around for a long time. Uh, so, you know, the outside receivers, they don't run as many option routes. And I think uh, if there's going to be some new guys in that area, they're not going to be asked as, you know, to do as much as those inside guys. But I think just based on uh, what we see from McDaniels, Renfro and Waller are going to be uh, staple guys in, in this offense. We already know Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are both monsters. But it sounds like that they could even be bigger monsters in this Josh McDaniels offense. So that's something I think to get excited about. And one thing I've been talking about, I know a lot of Raider Nation has been talking about as well, is going out and getting a true number one wide receiver. I think that the Raiders should do that. But what is Ted's thoughts on this offense? Is a true number one wide receiver actually needed? Well, you know, when you when you look at the Patriots, they, they've had success without number one guys. Obviously, when they had number one guys, they really took off and had you know those type of record-breaking offensive years. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think you need a, a true number one X in this tight end. I mean, in this uh, offense, you could have Darren Waller, you know, be that tight end and and fill that Gronk role. I'm not I'm not comparing them to Gronk, but I'm saying right, right. you know he can be that number one guy where you run an entire offense through him. Uh, so I, I don't think you necessarily need a star receiver on outside. Obviously, that would be nice. Um, but if you you know, I think they need to get a guy with some speed on the outside that they could. 
um, throw to as a complimentary receiver. Uh, but I wouldn't say a, a true star X is uh, is um, necessarily um, super high on the priority list for the, for McDaniel's. So not really needed. But their offenses broke records when they had one, you know. So, again, I still think that it'd be great for the Raiders to go out and get a true number one, a Devontae Adams, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. before he tore his ACL, an Allen Robinson, you know, somebody like that. Uh, Godwin, I think, could be a number one. Uh, there's some guys out there that should be and could be available. Uh, Michael Thomas from the Saints, you know, guys like that. I could see them going out and making a move for a true number one, and I think that that would really benefit uh, all of the Raiders, including Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. It would kind of free them up a little bit. But we'll see what direction like Ted just said, uh, probably not be a high priority for the silver and black. If you want to read the article on The Athletic, it was fantastic. It's called How the Raiders Offense Could Look with Josh McDaniels in Charge. And I'm telling you, it has uh, plays breakdowns and has uh, personnel alignment, talks about uh, different kind of uh, calls at the line of scrimmage and everything, different uh, play calling and and what Derek Carr is going to have to do as far as uh, pre-snap reads and everything. It is really good, detailed stuff. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. Now, Kind of confused on what I should do right here. I want to get into this conversation I had with Zachariah Branch on Wednesday night uh, about the late, great Cliff Branch and then throw it to the Cliff Branch throwback interview. But I just don't know if it's going to fit here. So what I'm going to do, since it's already we're already running a little bit late on time in this segment, what I'm going to do is coming up in segment number two, you're going to hear the conversation with Cliff Branch, my throwback interview from 2016, and then you'll hear Zachariah Branch to start off segment number three. And then after that segment or after that uh, interview, we'll do a couple calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. Because if I don't, this episode's going to go way too long, and the powers that be will not be happy. So we want to keep those people happy, right? <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. So coming up in segment. Number Number two, we'll take it back to 2016 in my interview with now Hall of Famer Cliff Branch. We'll do that after I tell you about betonline.net. And I know football season's over, at least the, the action on the field is over, but basketball. It's full throttle. Pro and college hoops. Saw a lot of good college hoops on a Wednesday night. Really good games. Texas Tech and Baylor was one of them. Well, all the latest odds, the totals, player performance props, all that could be found right now on BetOnline.net. It's your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your scores, podcasts, and news this season long. It's not just basketball, though. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC. I even have Olympic coverage on there if you want to check them out. Again, head to the website right now on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today. Check them out. Check out the trends and all the action. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to do a little throwback Thursday style here. Go back to the conversation I had with Cliff Branch back in 2016. It was crazy. I actually reached out to him. I wanted to talk to him about the Hall of Fame because he was talking about a lot of Raiders weren't getting into the Hall of Fame because they were Raiders and because the NFL had something against Al Davis. And so a lot of these guys, including himself, were not getting in. And so uh, that was the reason why I made the call. I got his uh, contact number and reached out to him and uh, had a really good conversation with them. Now, I'll warn you before I play this. One, the audio stinks as far as my end goes. His end was fine, but I was in this studio at my old radio station in, uh, in Central Texas, and the studio that I was in was like the alternative studio when all the other studios are full and you just have to use one, and it stunk. I mean, not stunk like smell bad. It just, the equipment was terrible. And so as I listened to it, it sounds like I was in a, 
in, I don't know, in some kind of phone booth or something. It just sounds terrible, like I was on a walkie-talkie or something. So I'm very embarrassed by the sound. Also, remember, it was 2016, and I wasn't the best at interviewing at that point. I'm not the best at interviewing now, but I'm a lot better than I was in 2016. So uh, don't, don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> How about that? Don't listen to me. Don't listen to my audio in this interview, but listen to Cliff Branch. And it's, it's great to be able to, to have this, and I'm glad that I, I hold on to all my interviews that I do. But, man, when I listen to it, I'm like, dang. This sounds terrible, and it just wasn't a very good interview as far as I'm concerned. But, hey, who cares? It's all good. It's Cliff Branch. He's now in the Hall of Fame, and he deserves his roses. So here's the conversation in 2016, myself and the late, great Cliff Branch. First of all, I want to introduce Cliff Branch, great Raider wide receiver. In 14 years, he spent with the Oakland Raiders, the L.A. Raiders, three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, first of all, spending 14 years, your entire 14-year career with the Raiders, uh, that doesn't happen anymore because of free agent salary cap situations. How does it feel to be that guy that spent your whole career with one organization? Well, I'm just re- really blessed and fortunate to be able to play for a fine organization and with the Raiders. And during those glory years, uh, we were on top of our game, and and uh, we we were committed to, uh, to accomplishing a lot of great things. Uh, again, like you said, uh, playing in uh, three Super Bowl winning teams and playing in uh, out of my 14 year career, uh, only missed the playoffs twice. So and then I left the game uh, uh, with 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 health. Didn't have any uh, major surgeries uh, or injuries. So it was it was a, it was a very healthy and blessed career. That's awesome. That is awesome. Three times Super Bowl champ, like I mentioned, like you mentioned. And uh, what made your Super Bowl teams so special? Well, uh, our team players bought in to what we were trying to accomplish, and everybody was very unselfish. And everybody played their roles and know how to know how to contribute with their roles. So I, th- I think that was the biggest key. And and then and, and then those years you talking about the first Super Bowl team, Super Bowl eleven team, we were able to uh, Al Davis was able to, to go out and get a lot of players who had other issues with the teams and bring them in, and and then they were able to uh, make that adjustment and, and commit to what we we're trying to do. I'm talking about uh, talking about John Matusak. Uh, we talking about Lyle Alzada. Talking about. Greg Pruitt. We're talking about these type of players who were able to come to to the team and play a role and 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 accomplish a lot of success as a role player. Talking to Cliff Branch right now, and Cliff, I, I got to ask you about you as a wide receiver. You were so good at getting open and getting open on the deep ball. I mean, you averaged 17 yards a catch over the length of your career. I mean, that that is something that's amazing for you. The one year to have 40 something catches and go over a thousand yards. I mean, you just don't see that anymore. How were you able to utilize that vertical game so well, and that turned into something that was just like a Raiders, uh, a Raiders benchmark right there? Well, I mean, I think the biggest key was during that particular year in, in my earlier years. We we played, play, I played. Uh, Kenny Stable played behind a Hall of Fame offensive line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you you talking about Jim Otto's in the the center's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Upshaw's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Art Shell's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Bob Brown's in the Hall of Fame, Dave Casper in the Hall of Fame. So these guys were our interior linemen, and being Casper was a tight end. So played, Kenny Stavis played about, played behind the offensive line that were Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame players. Yeah, they absolutely were, man. And you put together a heck of a career. And with all your yards, with all your accomplishments, with all your touchdowns that you have in your career, still haven't got the one thing, the Hall of Fame jacket yet. What is the problem? What do you feel is is holding it up 
from you getting into Canton? Well, I, I, at this point, I think it's really close. I think I'm probably a year or two away now because John Madden told me the other day that uh, my my time is coming. Uh, I, I should be the next Raider to go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know what I mean? Once they put Kenny Stable in there, and you cannot put Kenny Stable in there and not have his, his prolific receiver because Casper's already in there, Blinnikov's already in there. So Kenny finally got his due, which was long overdue, and, I, mm-hmm. and John Madden told me he guaranteed that uh, my time is next. That would be awesome. We'd definitely love to see you get into the Hall of Fame. It's definitely deserved. But, but Cliff, why do you think it is so long, it takes so long for wide receivers in general just to get into the Hall of Fame? Well, as you know, uh, all, the, all the playmakers that you, you've had in the National Football, they're deserving. So that's, that's one position that's, that's uh, names come up a lot, and there's a lot of uh, competition for induction of the Hall of Fame. And wide receiver come up a lot, so you don't, you can't. When the, with all these names come up, you can't. There's it's a lot, log jam there, and so you can't put one or two or three at Hall, uh, Hall of Fame wide receivers in there one. So they have to, they they spread over time. So that's a position that uh, always will always have an inductee pretty much every year. So. It's just a log jam. Okay. And, and like I said, definitely rooting for you. Can't wait till you do get in and get that jacket. It's well-deserved. As Like I mentioned, 14 years you play in the league. That means 14 years you played for Al Davis. First of all, what did Al mean to you, and what do you feel like Al meant to the league? Well, I mean, Al Davis' uh, credentials, uh, credit goes a long way, man. You you think of all the things that he accomplished. I mean, he, he, he was a very innovative man. He was a pioneer in every aspect of the game for us, you know, uh, hiring the first minority coach. Uh, and, and then uh, the two of them, you know, uh, first a Mexican coach, first black coach. So he, and then being a commissioner of the OAFL, uh, being a head coach, being coach of the year in that, uh, uh, his his accomplishments is just a long list of things, and and he was a true football man. So he he lived it, he loved it, and and he worked his ass off to be successful. So uh, there's a, there's not enough words you can say about Mr. Davis. Now the question I had about about Al and the NFL in general is, I feel like because he was the guy he was, and he was able to see things that other people weren't seeing. They there was a lot of backlash as well towards Al and the kind of the NFL kind of like tried to shy away from him. Am I correct in feeling that way? Well, you you got to think about that. Al Davis is only only owner to take on the NFL in a lawsuit, and you know you don't find that very happening and, and, and to, to win a lawsuit against the NFL. So, uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, when you take it on the NFL, I mean, you, you, I mean you're going against your other peers' uh, ownership, because so, they're all in partners together, and so Al took them on and then, and then beat them, and so a lot of, a lot of the ownerships uh, didn't, didn't like the fact that he sued his former partners and stuff like that and took them on and stuff like that. So, you know, even you see Bob Kraft, you know, all the stuff he's gone through and he, he he's mentioned uh, taking on the NFL, but he didn't. Right. You know, so, uh, Mr. Davis, you know, he, he was probably disliked and, and, and 
because of that that particular event. And, and again, man, t- talking Al, talking the things that he did. Uh, you mentioned, you know, hiring Tom Flores, hiring Art Shell. He also had uh, hired Amy Trask. Uh, we had her on the other day. I mean, they they came up with the Rooney rule, but I, in my heart, feel like it should be the Al Davis rule now. Yeah, well, there's a lot of rules that should, should be the Al Davis, but I agree, <laughs> agree with you totally. Okay, Cliff. Now, looking at this this uh, Raiders team that is out there right now, you know, you look at the roster, and you being a wide receiver, you look at a guy Amari Cooper who was drafted last season uh you look what he did in his first year pretty good he ended the year injured but still had a really good season for a rookie uh what do you what do you see when you look at this current Raiders roster and do you feel like they're moving in the right direction oh well yeah uh Reggie McKenzie has done a wonderful job with this with the salary cap and the money they've had to spend they went out and did some great things and uh with free agency uh uh a cornerback uh uh, offensive lineman, uh, the, the, the guy from the Seattle defensive end linebacker. So they have really spent the money wisely the last couple of years and, and, and had a phenomenal draft. And then, and then, and then, and finally, they finally got it right at, as a head coach. We're bringing in Jack, Jack Del Rio, who, who is a home, hometown hero, a Hayward, California guy, USC guy. So, and, and he's, He's built a culture now last year of having guys to believe in, knowing they got to work their tails off and 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 and, and get it right on the on the football field with a lot of work. So those areas uh, with Reggie McKenzie and his free agency moves and and, and stuff like that, and get, and then bringing Jack Del Rio. So that's that's two key important elements. Now, you played for the Oakland Raiders. You played for the L.A. Raiders. Do you think that they're going to stay the Oakland Raiders? Do you think they're going to be the Vegas Raiders? I mean, where do you think they go from here? Man, it's, it's all about Mark Davis wants to get a stadium for the Raiders. Uh, everybody has a brand new stadium for the Raiders and the Chargers now, and, and they're the last two teams are trying to commit to get a stadium. And, and, and you know, it would be nice if the Raiders can stay in Oakland, but uh, Oakland just don't have the funds. And, and they can't even offer. They can't even offer Mark Davis a penny. One one penny. So they 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 can't even help him. No kind of way. You need help when you're going out and trying to build a new stadium with the city and stuff like that. So uh, the talk is Vegas is trying to get it done. So uh, it's, it's in the future, and the future is real near. So we'll just hope and see what happens that the Raiders can get a state-of-the-art stadium. Well, I hope they do. I really would like to see them stay in Oakland. And uh, before I wrap this up, Cliff, I want to know, am we gonna, are we going to be able to see you this year at a, a couple Raider games, a couple home games? Oh, yeah, I'm always at the Raider game because <laughs> I, I had to work for in a suite for proper sponsorship for the last 10 years. So I'm always on board with the Raiders. I travel with the team probably on four away games. I go to Kansas City. I go to San Diego. I'll go to Mexico City, and I'll, I'll go to Denver. So I'm always uh, at home for all. Raider home games and and I go on the road about four games. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Can't wait to see you. Uh, definitely will be at the Oakland Coliseum representing at least a few times this season. Uh, Cliff, I appreciate your time, man. I look forward to you making it into the Hall of Fame. And matter of fact, uh, we need to do this again. When you do make the Hall of Fame, I, I want to give you a call and, and talk about what it feels like to be a Hall of Famer as well as a three times Super Bowl champion. If that's okay with you, that would be wonderful, man. All right, Cliff Branch has been my guest here. I appreciate you so much, my man. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So there. 
there was right there, Raider Nation, my conversation with Cliff Branch. And, man, I was so looking forward to the next interview. You know, I was so excited about having his contact and knowing that when he finally got into the Hall of Fame, if he got into the Hall of Fame, I'd have an opportunity to reach out to him and talk to him about it. And, unfortunately, uh, when he passed away, I mean, my heart was broken when he passed away, and it was Hall of Fame weekend uh, just a couple seasons ago or a couple years ago. And, really, man, just – hurt me to the core because we all know that he should have been in well before he ever passed away and so never get the opportunity to get on that stage there in Canton, Ohio and really soak it in but at least his family will have that opportunity to do it for him and part of his family that's going to be in Canton, Ohio is his nephew, Zachariah Branch. He goes to Bishop Gorman right now. He's class of 2023. He's a USC uh, commit. His brother Zion is a class of 2022 commit to USC so he's going. He's a big time safety and a playmaker. Zachariah is a wide receiver similar to his uncle Cliff and uh, I actually had him on my radio show on Raider Nation Radio 920 when he committed to USC and so I talked to him about it then so on Wednesday night I actually had an opportunity to catch up to him and talk to him about Cliff being in the Hall of Fame so you'll hear that conversation coming up in segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast as a matter of fact that's coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into, well, calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. I'm going to get to a couple of those at least in this segment. But before we do that, I want you to hear the conversation I had Wednesday night with Zachariah Branch. He is the nephew of the late great Cliff Branch. Talked to him already earlier in the year when he committed to USC and just talked about that. And then once Cliff was officially announced that he was going into the Hall of Fame, I knew I had to get him back on the radio. So actually, later on this afternoon, depending on what time you're listening to this podcast, I'm actually going to play this interview on Raider Nation Radio 920. But you're getting it first, Raider Nation. You're getting it first here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. So here's my conversation from Wednesday night with the nephew of Cliff Branch, Zachariah Branch. Right now on the phone lines, we have Bishop Gorman, wide receiver and USC commit Zachariah Branch. Thank you so much for your time, my man. And last time you were on the show, you had just made the commitment to USC and Lincoln Riley. How's things been going since uh, since then to now? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely has been exciting. I mean, I just definitely been talking to the coaches and, you know, just talking about how I can help impact this class and try to help build a stellar class like Texas A&M did for the 22 class. We're definitely trying to uh, build a number one class for the class 23, and I'm definitely trying to reel some guys in. You got your eyes on some folks that you play ball with that you know? Uh, no, most definitely. I mean, I'm trying to get dudes all over the country. I heard that. National Signing Day was just a couple weeks ago. You'll get your opportunity to do that uh, in December or else in February, whenever you decide. How much are you looking forward to that? Oh, you know, it definitely is exciting. I mean, just to make it official. I mean, you know, being committed definitely is a blessing. But when it's signed, I mean, that, that seals the deal right there. It lets you know that you're official and you're officially in. So I definitely can't wait for that moment. It's definitely going to be a proud moment for me and my family. I know you've been practicing. you got a lot of seven-on-seven seven you've been doing, just working really hard. How much of a relief is it knowing that you, you don't have to worry about commitments? you got that commitment out of the way, and now you're just waiting to sign your letter of intent. Right, and uh, being committed, I mean, it definitely is a relief off my shoulders. I mean, I get to be out there and just, you know, play the game that I love. I don't have to worry about uh, the extra recruiting process and things like that. I just get, get a chance to focus on the University of Southern California and Trying to better myself every day. There you go. We're talking right now with Zechariah Branch. And last time we talked to you, we talked about your your uncle, the late great Cliff Branch, and what impact he had on your life. And it was a shame that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. Well, on Thursday last week, right. we found out that he is, in fact, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to be uh, enshrined in Canton, Ohio forever. Uh, how was that for your family and yourself when you, you got the news that he was going in the Hall? 
Oh yeah, my dad actually sent it over to me and my brother. And uh, when I, as soon as I found out, I was real excited. I mean, it definitely was a long time coming. I feel like he definitely deserved it. And I mean, I'm definitely proud of him for that. And I, like I said before, if he wasn't inducted to the Hall of Fame, then we will. So I guess it's gonna be three branches in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> how much more does that? How much more does that push you now? Now that you know that he is in there, and, and you did say that, so now it's on you and your brother. Oh yeah, no. Uh, USC actually made an edit for me and my brother that has Cliff in the background, and then me and my brother on the side. And I actually made that my wallpaper. So every day I look at that, I use it as motivation. Wow, that's awesome. I, I like that. And and so what's the plans for Canton, Ohio? I mean, it's a big celebration. I was there last year for Tom Flores and Charles Woodson, but what's the plans for Canton, Ohio for the Branch family? Oh yeah, definitely it's going to be exciting. We're definitely going to get out there uh, for the ceremony and check it out and see what it's like. I mean, just to experience it before, you know, hopefully me and my brother both get inducted to the Hall of Fame, but just to experience it and for it to be one of my family members, it definitely is a great deal. And uh, it's going to be a great experience. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, soak it in. Enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of greatness that are going to be there in Canton, Ohio. And you're going to be there as well. What does it mean to you to see so many Raider fans and, and Raiders owner Mark Davis to be pounding the table for so long for Cliff to get in? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Definitely is exciting to see how much support uh, that they had behind Cliff. I mean, I wish they would have done it earlier. But, I mean, you know, at least the support is still there and everybody's behind them. So, I mean, it definitely is real exciting to, just to see how much support and love they have for him. Do you ever sit back and think and realize that Cliff Branch, your uncle, changed the game of football the way it's played today? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely have. Uh, watching the Super Bowl, I mean, I feel like that's a prime example. You see the smaller receivers now and, uh, you know, speed kills. So, to know that he was one of the first receivers to start that era, I mean, it definitely is a blessing. Talking right now with Zachariah Branch, the nephew of the late, great Cliff Branch here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And so uh, any part of Cliff's game that you're going to try to implement into uh, into your game this upcoming season there at Bishop Gorman? Oh, yeah, I definitely am trying to implement uh, all the things that he used in his game in the mind and to make it even better, you know, just to go out there and produce and just show what the branch last name is about. Do you ever sit back and just kind of watch some YouTube film or see some old film of Cliff and just see what he did and see how he was so effective? Oh, yeah, no, I definitely have took the time to uh, sit back and watch some film on him. I mean, he definitely is a special player, and, I mean, I try to break down certain things and add certain things to my bag that he had in his bag, so... (laughs) So what is an area of your game that you're trying to improve on, something that you really can master next year, uh, your senior year? Uh, I think I'm trying to improve in all aspects. You know, you can always improve in everything. But the main thing I'm really focusing on is probably getting in and out of my breaks as fast as I can and create more separation against DB. Looking forward to another year and uh, possibly bringing home another, na- uh, not national championship, but state championship there? Oh, yeah, definitely state championship is the goal, but we got a big goal this year, like you said, uh, national championship. That's what we're trying to go for. Nice, nice. I like it. I like it. Well, I do appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time. I just wanted to get your thoughts now that now that your uncle is officially going into Canton, Ohio. I wanted to see how the family was feeling about that and wanted to congratulate you myself as well and congratulate the family. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. There he goes. That's the nephew of the late, great Cliff Branch. That's Zachariah Branch, Bishop Gorman, wide receiver, USC commit. He'll be signing his national letter of intent either in December or February. Uh, either way, he's taking his skills to the next level, uh, gets to go from high school to college, play on Saturdays, and uh, get it all paid for based off his uh, ability to play football. Always like that when the youth get rewarded for all their hard work. So shout out to my guy, Zachariah Branch. His older brother, Zion Branch, is also going to USC. He's a safety, so he's a class of 2022. Zachariah is a class of 2022. 
23. So now I got a couple more minutes. I'll go ahead and play a couple calls and text straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693. Let's go ahead and keep that Cliff Branch theme going. How about we start things off with ABA Ivan Davis. He's calling to talk about Cliff Branch. Here he is, ABA Ivan Davis. So Q, this is ABA Ivan Davis. I wanted to uh, talk to you about Cliff Branch and give props uh, to Cliff Branch finally making the Hall of Fame. Grew up as a kid. That was my first memories of football because I'm, you know, I'm 55. So, you know, I, I saw I saw the Raiders in their heyday when they were absolutely dominant. Looked like the New England Patriots. Okay, for generation of Raiders that have never seen that level, and you can catch some of them games on YouTube, by the way. But anyway, <clears throat> Cliff Branch. I used to work with MBM Bank. I can't think of what they did, but we used to do credit cards at uh, events, and we did a Raider rally in Oakland, downtown Oakland, one day. And a guy walked up to my booth because it was a booth where we filled out applications. And Cliff walked up and said, "Hey, can I have a hat?" I'm like, "You have to fill out a credit card application." I, I was my first day on the job. He said, "Look, look, I'm Cliff Branch. See, here's my ring. He showed me this big old fat ring, and I wanted to give him a hat, but..." I couldn't. I said, man, I just got this job, and, you know, I don't want to get in trouble giving you a hat. I, I mean, you know, for any other situation, man, you can have everything. But, no, I have to have an application. And he filled out an application and got the hat. He said, I understand. I mean, nicest guy in the world, humble, you know, unbelievable. First day on the job, I meet Cliff Branch. Okay, and but uh, more so, never mind the player, it was just his humility and well-spoken he was. You know, he was he was an average guy playing football with a whole lot of speed and great hands. And so uh, that's all I had to say. Uh, good job, Q, on your podcast. Sucks for your computer. I've been there. Okay, uh, man, I'd be all over the NFL on that security thing. But anyway, you have a great day. Go Raiders. Great timing on that call, my man. Appreciate you. That's ABA Ivan Davis talking about the late, great Cliff Branch. And that was a great story. And I'll tell you, you're better than me. If Cliff Branch walked in and said, hey, can I have that hat? I'd be like, hell yeah, you can have this hat. Don't worry about it. Go on and do it. But you you did right. You did what you were supposed to do. Told him that you had to have an application. He put the application in, then got the hat. So you did well. I would have failed. <laughs> no doubt about it. I would have failed. I'd have told him, yeah, man, you're good. And then when my boss asked me, I said, it's Cliff Branch. What do you want me to do? You want me to tell the man no? I would have, yeah, so uh, good good job, ABA Ivan Davis, and uh, thank you for that call, man. That was really good stuff. I do appreciate that. Uh, got time for probably a couple more. A text from Raider Mike in Canyon Country. What's up, Q? I just want to know if you remember back in 2008 when the Raiders played the Giants and Antonio Pierce said something along the lines of, playing the Raiders is like a scrimmage. I know it was a long time ago and that was a terrible Raiders team, but I never forgot that. I have never wanted anyone around our team that has ever trashed us. I think that's why we've never forgiven players like Moss and Sapp. I don't know why someone like Pierce should get a pass, but someone like Belichick, who has owned us, has always given the Raiders respect, is hated within the Raider Nation. Maybe I'm looking at it all wrong. Maybe we were a bad football team for a long time, and this is something that was said 14 years ago, and someone who's coming in now to try and help the team should be forgiven and accepted. Let me know what you think. Thanks for keeping it real with us, Q. That's from Raider Mike in Canyon Country, and I understand the thoughts. Uh, I think that Antonio Pierce is different than Warren Sapp and Randy Moss because those guys actually played for the Raiders, and there was a point in time where it almost seemed like they quit on the Raiders. Antonio Pierce never played with the Raiders. He played against the Raiders, and 
And 2008, they were a bad team. They were a terrible team, and so it was like playing a scrimmage. And you know what? Uh, that should have made the players on the team angry. So I'm not mad at Antonio Pierce for keeping it real. Hey, the team sucked. They stunk. Uh, he called it out, you know, and, and maybe that's some of that uh, that energy and that nasty he'll bring to the coaching staff. So I don't look at it like that at all. I don't I don't begrudge him, and he's a player. You know, it's like talking trash on the field. I, I have no problem with that. I know Bill Belichick has been very respectful, but, I mean, that's just Belichick being Belichick, and that's that's fine. I mean, he, he could care less, really. Who knows what he's saying behind closed doors, but uh, I have no problem with it when Antonio Pierce said then because uh, he wasn't wrong. The Raiders were a terrible team uh, in that year when he played them, and, well, you know, he, he talked that mess because – they weren't going to back him up. They weren't going to do anything to, to prove him wrong. So um, I, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it bad like you're taking it. I understand where you're coming from, but I wouldn't take it that personal. I, I think it's going to be okay. And uh, if he gets those linebackers cooking and playing at a very high level, you'll really not think nothing of it. So uh, thank you so much for that that text, my man. I do appreciate you. And I think I got time for one more quick call. Let's go ahead and take it from Tadrice. I believe that's his name from New Jersey. He's calling to talk about Derek Carr and Matt Stafford, the differences between the two quarterbacks. And he also is a first-time caller, a.k.a. a new booty. Here he is, Tadrice from New Jersey. Yo, what up, Q? This is Tadrice from New Jersey, first-time caller. And I just wanted to say, man, I've been listening to the podcast. I love the show. Um, I'm addicted to it, making my first listen in the, of the day. And I want to touch base on what you talked about um, yesterday with uh, Derek Carr compared to Matthew Stafford. And uh, just one thing that you said kind of struck a chord, like j- j- the, the guitar string wasn't tuned up. And it's when you compared uh, the touchdowns. Bro, if Derek Carr had Cooper Cup, woo! You know what I mean? If, if Derek Carr had Cooper Cup, that's the only difference. Like Matthew Stafford had 40-some touchdowns because of that man right there. So if we had Devontae Adams and – or uh, I, I was even thinking, imagine if we actually got Odell Beckham instead of Deshaun Jackson. We had the opportunity to get Odell Beckham, and, and now, you know, we can play the what-if game, but um, it didn't work out, and maybe if Odell came to uh, Vegas, he wouldn't have did as good. We, we don't know. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Josh McDaniel era. I'm looking forward to Derek Carr having some good protection because, you know, his interceptions wouldn't have been that high either because Derek Carr is pretty much cautious. But if, uh, you know, we just didn't have the receiving core that, that he needed. So we're looking forward to a great new season, man. That's my time. Let's just win, baby. There he goes, Tadris right there from New Jersey. Thank you so much for the call, my man. And, yeah, if, if Derek Carr had Cooper Cup, then, yeah, his numbers would probably have been up. And if they actually threw the ball in the end zone, that'd probably help a little bit too. But uh, they didn't. And hopefully Josh McDaniels and his offense will actually get that thing cooking. I like what Ted Nguyen said, and you heard it in the first segment, talking about the red zone and how he's very effective. His offense is very effective in the red zone. That's what the Raiders need. But a lot of the Raiders' issues, in my opinion, were throwing the ball short of the end zone and expecting a player to make a play and, and break a couple tackles. That drives me crazy, man. If you want to score a touchdown, you know what you do? You throw the damn ball in the end zone. Throw it in the end zone where you're expecting to get a touchdown. That's what I'd like to see, and hopefully that's what we see a lot of this next season under Josh McDaniels. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on, man, as far as the number one target. I've been told it's not needed. Ted Nguyen said that also in segment number one. Uh, New England thrived without one, but then they also broke records with one. So as far as I'm concerned, I would still love to see 
a big-time wide receiver, uh, be a target for Derek Carr this upcoming season. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Thank you so much for chiming in on the show, my man. I do appreciate you, and please don't allow that to be your last call uh, or text. You can always hit us up by text as well, 707-654-4693. And that's all I got time for, Raider Nation. Sorry I didn't get more calls and texts in. Really busy show today. Uh, it's not the normal style. I usually don't have Throwback Thursday-type uh, interviews, but since it was Cliff Branch, I think it was well-deserved. So hopefully you enjoyed the show today. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll close things out really strong. We'll have plenty of calls and texts throughout that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, more news and notes of the day, and of course we'll have more conversations to talk about when it comes to the silver and black. That'll close out the week tomorrow, Raider Nation. So until then, take care of yourself, take care of your family, and most importantly as always, just win, baby.